this time, Barnabas, Grace, and Sir will come with our sermon. Do not neglect this holy day. Start over. Good morning. I know, Lawrence, I know. <laughs> I pressed the button. It just didn't I just didn't press it hard enough. Then when he said press both buttons, that confused me a little bit. But here I am. Here I am. You know, some may be feeling that's a nice pen, somebody left it. Some may be feeling just a, a little bit blasé, uh, you know, a little post-feast letdown. And uh, I guess some of us remember, you know, going uh, go-karting or Silver Dollar City and uh, uh, what else did y'all do? Zip line, perhaps, some of you. And uh, about what I remember is trying to cross Good Shepherd Highway on foot. <laughs> And that was my thrill. Those of you that heard, you know, I told you that story. So you, anyway, I'll tell it again. No, I'm not. From now until the next day and the next holy day is 163 days. As we know, the holy days are a highlight that we mark on our calendar. And we look forward to them because they are days of rejoicing. They are special days that give us an understanding of the purpose and meaning to life, to all our lives, to not just the adults, but to the children also. But in between now and then, and the Passover season, uh, when it begins, there are 23 holy days. And Lawrence guessed right there that it was about the weekly Sabbath, this, the holy days that we are not to neglect. So the weekly Sabbath, we know, can keep us on track and looking forward to that thousand year reign of Jesus Christ when uh, with maybe a few potlucks in between you know keep us going toward that rest that is to come but sometimes there are other things in our life that come up that kind of hinder us that uh, we may be ill or we may have maybe an ox in the ditch situation or be extremely tired or for whatever reason uh, we may not be able to make it at times and we do have to be careful, however, so that we don't, you know, uh, let things get us into a habit of missing this holy day, of neglecting this holy day, of making it a habit of forsaking the fellowship uh, uh, together. So we're not to neglect this holy day. We are called to keep this holy day. And it is one in which we will be blessed one that has a blessing that comes because not only do you hear the word of God, every who is here to preach the word of God or who you talk the word of God with during our fellowship, 
there is a blessing that may uh, come to your mind throughout, throughout the week. So we remember the Sabbath day, and as it says, to not, uh, to not forget it. Now, why does the Bible say to remember the Sabbath day? Can you give, just say two reasons. And if you can, write it down on paper. Write it down on paper. Two reasons why we are to remember the Sabbath day. Or write it on your hand, you know, if you want to. And uh, you'll get the answer later. Now, <clears throat> today most Christians keep Sunday as a day of rest and as a day of worship. And many of them are a sincere, Bible-believing people. Others, of course, observe the day called Saturday. And there are some, however, that think it does not matter which day you keep, as long as you keep one day holy. But if that is so, God went to a lot of trouble reminding his people which day was the Sabbath. Now, we know that the Sabbath command is the fourth one of God's Ten Commandments, and it is no less important than the other nine commandments that is given by God for society today. And so, it does matter to not only remember the Sabbath, but to know when it is and why it is. The, the Bible tells us when and how the Sabbath was created. If you'll turn over with me to Genesis uh, chapter 2. And verse 1, starting with verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day, and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. So we see here that the seventh day was blessed and it was sanctified because God rested on that day. In Exodus 20 and in verse 11 it says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. He made it holy and he set it apart. He made heaven and the earth. When you think of all that uh, entails, it's really amazing that he could create so many uh, varieties of things. Things in the sea. There are still things in the sea that man has yet to really uh, discover. I discovered one yesterday by way of video. Um, my son, uh, grandson showed me a video uh, of this just large fish that they had. Uh, these fishermen had caught, and I had never seen uh, a fish like that. It reminded me of the, you know, the coelacanth, the one that uh, was supposed to have been extinct but was discovered alive. But this fish had a mouth just, just big. It could just swallow you up. I didn't really discover it, but I just, you know, in my mind, this is something that was new to me. When you think about all of creation, you know that God created these things and that he rested after he, uh, after he created these things and looked back on creation and said that it was good. So we see that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. And he made it holy and he set it apart. And he blessed it. This word blessed is from a root word that, uh, with a meaning to kneel. That is by implication to bless God as an act 
of adoration on this day. So God blessed the seventh day. And he did it by ceasing from his work which he had created and made. Now we ask ourselves, and this is the age-old question, well, did God really need to rest? Did he really need to rest because he was tired? So here's what Isaiah, the prophet of God, said over in uh, chapter 40, verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. So his understanding, his knowledge, is inscrutable. It's impossible to grasp all that he knows because it is so overwhelming to know what is in his mind. Or You would have to multiply multiple billions of times the Einsteins that we might have in the world, past and present, to even get just a little close to the mind of God. So, how many people on earth can understand and search the mind of Einstein? A few can to a certain extent, but there is no searching of God's understanding of his knowledge. So here in Isaiah, we see the creator of the ends of the earth. It's, it is true that God blessed the seventh day, and he set it apart by resting. You know, rest is a word that means cessation as in ceasing from labor. And what God did was set the example of how mankind, of how man is to keep the Sabbath by resting from his labor. In seven days, God created the heavens and the earth. And this was, if you, uh, let's turn to John chapter 1, uh, verse 1. Of course, yeah, I suppose y'all just need to look up here, really. <laughs> I need to look at this. This was a joint adventure by God the Father and God the Son. In the first verse of John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So this word, or logos, meaning spokesman, was Jesus, or Emmanuel, or as it is interpreted or mean, means, God with us. And he was and is the living expression of all that God the Father seeks to communicate with his people. You know, Jesus said that the words I speak is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. In verse 2, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So, John credits Jesus with creation, including the Sabbath day. So Moses also, he had learned many things from the direct teaching of the word. In Exodus 33, verse 11, And the Lord spoke unto Moses face to face, as a man speaks unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, you say unto me, Bring up this people, and you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore, I pray you, 
If I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said unto him, If your presence go not with me, carry us not up from here. For where, where, wherein shall it be known here that I and your people have found grace in your sight? How am I going to know that we found grace in your sight? Is it not in that you go with us? So shall we be separated, I and your people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight. So much grace that Moses was able to speak face to face with him. And he said, I know you by name. And he said, I beseech you, show me your glory. So Moses wanted to see the glory of, of God, of Jesus. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, but he said, you cannot see my face. For there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Look, behold, there is a place by me, and ye shall stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass, while my glory passes by, that I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand, and ye shall see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Sometimes I think, you know, of a copier. You know, when you put a piece of paper on there and if you want to peek in, you can see that light just sort of uh, span across uh, that glass. Just briefly, you know, it's just a bright light that goes, uh, that goes across the copier. And in a way, I picture this. You know, I could turn this lamp around and, and you could see the glory of the light bulb. But this was a powerful sight that Moses had seen that God granted his friend Moses to see. Because Moses asked. He humbly asked. Exodus chapter 34. Verse 27. And the Lord said unto Moses. Write you these words. For after the tenor of these words. I have made a covenant. With you and with Israel. And he was there with the Lord. Forty days and forty nights. And he did either, neither eat bread. Nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tables. The words of the covenant. The Ten Commandments. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' Moses's hand when he came down from the mount that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So you see when Moses came down from the mount with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord that caused it to have that uh, for that glory to be upon his face. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses and looked that the skin of his face shone, they were afraid to come close to him. And you can imagine how we might be someone comes to us and their face is glowing. And Moses called unto them. And Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. 
And afterward, all the children of Israel came close. And he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. So when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and he spoke unto the children of Israel, that which was he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. So we see that this glory that Moses beheld was reflected in his own face. And that the people of Israel saw the glow, saw the glory. And this reinforced their belief that God was truly with Moses. Again, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11, Moses, the servant of God, reminded the people about the seventh day, saying, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And so he gave special instructions. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. So the first day, six days of the week, it's for man to work and earn his living. But the seventh day was set aside for rest, that is, to cease from labor and to take a physical and a spiritual break. Because, you know, the material and physical pursuits of life are just temporary. But the spiritual goal of entering into the kingdom of God means everlasting life. The book of Proverbs, we read that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So acknowledging him as creator of all things and the giver of life also means obedience to his will and giving praise that we are an ongoing part of that creation when God breathed into Adam the breath of life. So to remember the Sabbath is to not forget it. Jesus said, if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. And that includes all, all of them. But, you know, the vast majority of Christians have either forgotten or do not know which day is the seventh day that God set aside as the Sabbath day. So, uh, many faithfully believe Sunday is the Lord that God made. And they closed down their businesses to give them and their employees the, the day off to go to church, to be with family, to worship uh, the Lord. But we know that the Bible makes it plain that the Sabbath day is the seventh day. So does the calendar. If you look at the calendar, you can see which day uh, the first day of the week is and which one is the last. Then, by counting from the first day of the week, which is Sunday, to the last and the seventh day of the week, we arrive at the day called Saturday, the Sabbath day. So there are seven days in the week. In biblical times, you know, uh, days were reckoned by number in a numerical order as they occurred. And it was not in honor of the pagan names by which today's uh, days are named after, like moon, moon day for Monday, Thor's day for Thursday, and so on. Now, at Easter, Christians know, they know that Sunday 
is the first day of the week because it is kept as a special day in observance of Jesus' resurrection. So the Sunday Sabbath tradition, however, is a man-made invention. That day was established by the Catholic Church as the Christian day of worship with the first Sunday laws decreed by Emperor Constantine of Rome in 321 AD when people were to rest on the venerable day of the sun. The early church saw Sunday, however, as a means to win pagans into uh, the church of God because they were already familiar with worshiping their sun god Baal on the day on, uh, they call Sunday. But by changing uh, the sun god to meaning the son of God, Jesus Christ, that transition of pagans into worship of Christ was made easier. In 364, this is a little bit of, you know, a little bit of uh, history. The Council of Laodicea, they abolished the true seventh day in favor of Sunday. And they called it the Lord's Day. Or as some preachers often, you know, proclaim, you might hear them on TV or radio or whatever. Uh, they proclaim this is the day, that is Sunday, this is the day the Lord has made. But we know that both Catholic and Protestant preachers know better. And many admit that there is nothing in Scripture that requires us to keep Sunday. So church authorities know, and they acknowledge that there is no command in the Bible for observing Sunday. You may be familiar with this quote from Catholic Cardinal Gibbons, who he died a long, long time ago. But he said on page 11 of his book, Faith of Our Fathers, he said that you may read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and you will not find a single line authorizing the sanctification of Sunday. The scriptures enforce the religious observance of Saturday, a day which we never uh, observe. Then in the Council of Trent, 1545, uh, the church leaders rule that tradition is of as great authority as the Bible. They believe that God gave them that authority to change the Bible as they pleased. Then, when Emperor Constantine became a Christian, he established Christianity as a religion of the state, and thousands of sun worshipers flocked into the church and became a dominant force that began to shake up the Roman government. So what to do? Constantine then consulted with the church officials, that is the council, and they gave this advice, pass a Sunday law force everyone to cease work and honor Sunday. And so in the edict of March 7, 321, it read, let all the judges and town people and the occupation of all trades rest on the venerable day of the sun. So many people today believe that Sunday is the Lord's day. And one might speculate, well, what if, you know, in order to uh, keep people from shaking up the government, why not turn back to Sunday and make this the venerable day of the Lord and enforce Sunday worship? Now, these are statements that I made here um, from modern-day churches other than the Catholic Church who admit that the, uh, men change the Sabbath. Uh, is also true today. Uh, there's a Baptist uh, article, uh, Christianity Today, Harold Linzel, uh, in November, I think, of 17, not 17, 1976, 
He also wrote that there is nothing in Scripture that requires us to keep Sunday rather than Saturday as a holy day. So Sunday is a Catholic institution. And if I think we have in our library back there a, a booklet entitled National Sunday Law, in which information that I, I just uh, quoted here on how the Sabbath was changed, if you want to uh, read into that. But to continue, we know that a Christian is one who follows Christ. New Testament Christians follow the teachings of Jesus. In fact, many proclaim Jesus is Lord because they know that Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. In Matthew 12, verse 8, where it says, it says that the Son of Man, that's Jesus, is Lord. But the rest of that statement is either uh, forgotten or ignored for it says the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath day we also know from Luke 4 chapter 4 uh, that he came to Nazareth this is from verse 16 he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read and let's go to verse 46. And he said, Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say? So, even though some will say, you know, Jesus is Lord, and forget that he is Lord of the Sabbath day, and yet Jesus says, Why call you me Lord, when it's plain from the Bible, which day is the Sabbath, because he is also Lord of the Sabbath day. So Jesus said that of himself, that the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath day. Now, <clears throat> Jesus is Lord. That's present tense. He is also still Lord of the Sabbath, present tense. He is seated at the right hand of God, but as he asked, well, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say? So the Sabbath was made for man at creation, long before there was really any Jewish nation or children of Israel because it was made for all mankind when he created the earth the seas and all that is in them he made man to occupy the earth according to his will but Israel was to be a model nation showing that obedience to God uh, meant blessings the voice what the notice what the voice of the Old Testament who was Jesus Christ told Moses to do speak you also unto the children of Israel, and this is in Exodus 31, speak you also unto the children of Israel, my Sabbaths you shall keep. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. And the reason? That you may know that I am the Lord that does sanctify you, set you apart from all the others. And you shall therefore keep the Sabbath, for it is holy unto you. So within those verses are the answers to, you know, the two questions I asked at the beginning. That you may know that I am the Lord that does sanctify you, for it is holy unto you. Therefore, it says, we are to remember the Sabbath day to do what? To keep it holy. It is the Sabbath of the Lord, as it says in Exodus 20 and verse 10. Hebrews chapter 4. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left 
us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. So it's possible to come short of the kingdom, of the Sabbath, by not looking toward what the Sabbath means. Unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter the rest, as he said, as I have shown, sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. And he spake of a certain place of the Sabbath day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. And we get this from Psalm 95 3, uh, through 11. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land. O come, it says, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. There are many ways in which we can uh, kneel before the Lord, our God. We sing praises to him in the words that are presented on, you know, on, on the board behind me. Words that are to God in a prayerful way. And sometimes, however, uh, it seems like there are some things that uh, we sing that some people just don't agree with. And that's not the way to be when you come to worship God. You, uh, we are to be humble. We are to pay attention to the words that God presents before us, ever how it's presented in song or in uh, words from the pulpit or just by those among us who have uh, some kind of uh, word of encouragement to say. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands form the dry land. You go to the ocean or to the, the sea, this great body of water, and you know there are things under it that he has made. And you go to the dry land. But then if you look at the dry land, you know that there are things on it, insects, things that you don't see, reptiles, turtles, frogs, whatever. There, there is more to what we see. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today... If you will hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in the provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work, forty years long was I grieved with this generation. So, you know, God put up with it for forty years. He was grieved with that generation and said it is a people that do err in their heart and they have not known my ways. So unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Uh, in Hebrews 4, verse 7. Again, he limits a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Today, this word today, is from the Greek word 
say, say Merah. And it means on this day, referring to the Sabbath day. And on this day, he says not to harden not your hearts. When you harden your heart, you're not receptive to the word. You're not receptive to others. You're not receptive to what God might be saying to you. For if Jesus, verse 8, who was God and spokesman in the Old Testament, had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. So the Amplified Bible says that this mention of a rest was not a reference to Israel entering into Canaan, but he was saying that there remains therefore a rest to the people of God, something that remains, something that is yet future. For he that has entered into his rest, he ha also has ceased from his own works as God did. And he speaks, you know, of a rest to come. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him whom we have to do. Remember in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 3, it says, The Lord is a God of knowledge. Seeing then we have a great high priest pass into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Just like uh, the earlier message. To hang in there. For we don't have a high priest. Which cannot be touched. With the feeling of our infirmities. But was in all points. Tempted. Like as we are. Yet without sin. So temptations. Here's a temptation to uh, not respect the Sabbath. To neglect the Sabbath. To forget what the Sabbath is all about. But let us therefore come boldly. Unto the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy. And find grace. To help in time of need. There remains therefore. A rest. Sabbatissimos. That is a Sabbath. Keeping of the Sabbath to the people of God. So today. And forthcoming is a rest. This is for. All modern Christians. Not just the Jews who. Have you know maintained the ten commandments. But. To remember the Sabbath day. To keep it holy. No, not any other day. But the seventh day. Jesus said, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. We know that the first four commandments tell us how to love God. The next six tell us how to love fellow man, to love neighbor. And the whole sum, summation of the Ten Commandments is summed up in the word love. Matthew 5, 17. Uh, Jesus, I'm just going to read one scripture Although it goes to 23. It says to think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. So we see uh, that some will try to do, with the, do away with the law. And say the, uh, the Sabbath command is done away. Trying to keep within the time limit I hear, have here. Romans chapter 6 and verse 12. We'll skip on uh, down there. 
It says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. We have mortal bodies. We know that when we have affliction or some kind of pain, we realize just how mortal we are, how fragile we are. But let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield uh, you your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but yield yourselves unto God. For, verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under, under grace. But what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants are you to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So you got, we've got two choices there. Uh, we can obey either sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So we become servants of God in thought and in deed. In Philippians 4, Paul writing to the Philippians, the brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And this is for all Christians to give consideration to, both young and old, in whatever you do, wherever you are, maybe at work or at school or in all walks of life, Verse 4, to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. You know, sometimes you look at that scripture, the Lord is at hand, and think, well, you know, he's on his way, he's coming. But that should mean to us that the Lord is near. He is near as we do our deeds. He is near as uh, we speak or as we think. Let your moderation be known to all men. Self-control. The Lord is at hand. So be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious or, or worry. But in everything, whatever it might be that gives you concern, you know, that by prayer and supplication, supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus. So, tells us whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whether, uh, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now your hearts will tell you if you've uh, you know, been led by the Spirit and you've studied the Word of God, your heart will tell you if what you're about to do or say is opposite those words. Then we are to stop and think and then do only what is right. So the seventh day is a Sabbath day. A day of rest from labor. A day of worship toward God in praise. To. I'm scared to see where are we. Hebrews 10, 14, 14. Okay, I'm going to skip that uh, chapter there. To neglect or desert this holy day is to lose ground toward the promise of the rest that is to come. You know, people take notice of who or who is not in church service. It's just human nature to, to notice and wonder about those things. And it's not a matter of judging, but one of just missing that person that's not there. It's like having a dinner with family, but one place is empty. 
because that person is not there. Togetherness, we know, is important to a church family. But sure, there, you know, there are differences that we have in many ways. But Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Now we pass by, and I'm sure you have passed by, a lot of big and small churches along the way. Some are small, some are almost unseen, squeezed between storefronts, except for a little sign over their doorway or in the window pane. But we look and we notice that their parking lots are empty on this day. Though we know that we are not the biggest, we are not the wealthiest, we are not the most impressive church in the city, but Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, that is, in his honor, by his authority, there am I among them. So we know that it is a sign, and that's one of the main signs that you look for, what church is doing as Jesus said to do. Exodus chapter 31, uh, verse 12, the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak you also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbath ye shall keep, for it is a sign between you, me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord that does sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore. So the importance of remembering the Sabbath day was such that God, he did give strict restrictions for ancient Israel to be made aware of. God used the miracle of manna to show them which day it was and deadly, uh, deadly punishment for flagrant uh, disobedience. So, in the time of Jesus, the religious Pharisees, as well as the people, they were very strict about keeping the Sabbath and much afraid to offend God in any way. So they came up with many uh, traditions and turned them into law. In Matthew 12, we read about where Jesus was, went on the Sabbath day through the corn or the grain and his disciples were hungry and they began to pluck the ears of corn to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, your disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and, that they, that, and they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God, and did eat the showbread which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath, and are blameless. But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless or the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. And we read where he, uh, he healed a man whose hand was withered. Uh, withered hand, useless that he healed that hand. And he says in verse 11, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath day. Stretch forth your hand, and, he stretched, and the, the man stretched, forth, stretched it forth, and it was restored whole. Hosea 11 tells us, he says, My people are, are, are bent to backsliding. 
We know that Israel went into captivity. They went into punishment because of idolatry and other wickedness. And they forgot their, uh, their covenant with God to do his will. In Ezekiel he tells how, uh, 20, he tells how he led them out of Egypt. Ezekiel tells and brought them into the desert, gave them decrees, made known to them his laws, and that the man who obeys them will live by them. And he said in verse 12, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between us, so they would know that I, the Lord, made them holy. But in verse 13, yet the people of Israel rebelled against me in the desert. They didn't follow my decrees, but rejected my laws. And we see that the mercy of God, because they rejected my laws in verse 16 and did not follow my decrees and desecrated my Sabbath, for their hearts were devoted to their idols, yet I looked upon them with pity and did not destroy them or put an end to them in the desert. I said to their children in the desert, do not follow the statutes of your fathers or keep their laws or defile yourselves with idols. I am the Lord your God. Follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Keep my Sabbaths holy they may, that they may be a sign between us. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So just as the annual high days or Sabbaths that God calls the weekly Sabbath, just, uh, just as the annual holy days, he says, they are my holy days. But we know that the children rebelled against him. They didn't follow his decrees. And he said he would pour out his wrath on them and uh, spend his anger against them in the desert. Now, we are not to neglect this holy day, this, this Sabbath day. But we are to keep the Sabbath in a positive way, in a cheerful way, knowing that it represents that millennial rest that is our hope to come. You know, when, at that time when the bear will be gentle, the wolf will be tame, as the song goes. It is a day to give special praise. It is a day to give special thanks that God has called us to, to lead us in understanding what his rest is all about. His weekly holy day to keep us mindful of his plan and purpose for each and every one of us individually. So, again, why remember the Sabbath day? It is to keep it holy because it is holy unto you and so that we may know the Lord and that we may worship him in spirit and in truth.